Hello, and welcome to episode 570 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. And today we have a very, very, very special guest. It is the one and only Taylor Swift. No, I'm kidding. Silva is indeed a Swifty, but today we are joined by old friend of the show, the man who keeps Silva in line in the streets of Chicago. It is Ryan Noonan of 4 for 4. Ryan, thanks for joining the show. How's it going today, buddy? It's good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I uh, cannot wait to get the breakdown. I've got some photos. Um, I believe the quote that was sent to me via text the other night was, this is the greatest moment of my life outside the birth of my daughter, uh, <laughs> which he was at least kind enough to bring along with him. So I cannot wait to get the uh, shot by shot detail here of, uh, of Evan's night with the Swiss. Oh, I take personal offense. What about when ETR was founded the second greatest night of your life? Now you have you have Taylor Swift in there. Uh, anyways, though. Silva, perhaps we should take a quick minute here for you to give some context to your Monday morning tweet in which, as Ryan said, you proclaimed your love for Taylor Swift and even posted a video of you rocking out with some very good seats. Hashtag how rich. I I really hate, I I never, I always want to just get right into the show. I hate not to get right into the show, but Mm -hmm. I think that people need to hear this. So I give you the floor to talk about your Taylor Taylor Swift experience. Why did you go and how was it? Yeah, I mean, it was very, very special. Uh, well, first of all, I want to say happy birthday to Ryan Noon. He's turning 29 today. Uh, and we're going to go celebrate uh, at a Mexican restaurant. Uh, I- I'm super excited about this. Uh, but we're- we'll be hanging out later tonight. Um, the Taylor Swift thing, first of all, I got those tickets for free. And it was it's an, it's an unbelievable story. It's like a, a literal miracle. We were sitting 15 rows from the stage on the floor. Ooh. I mean, we probably could have sold the tickets for more than 10k um but you know i wanted to bring my daughter and uh you know i think life is about experiences and this was like an unbelievable experience um it's still like a dream to me i mean (laughs) it was like the rolling stones or the beatles you know like you you watch the old old videos of um like the the girls that would like start crying when the beatles would come out i mean there were people crying (laughs) um the the performance was just it was unbelievable i I don't like listen to taylor swift in my car well now i do but but i mean i i've always been like a rap and like credence clearwater revival kind of kind of person but i mean now i'm like i I listen to taylor swift in my car i mean it was like life altering ross tucker has been like banging this drum for years taylor swift i think is from the same town that Ross Tucker is from. So he has a little bit of bias there, but an incredible live performance. I don't care if you think that Taylor Swift is like for little girls or whatever. Um, If you ever have the opportunity to go sit in some bad seats, I don't, I don't care. It it was an unbelievable uh, performance and, and um, I'm so glad that we did it. Yeah, well, that's great for your daughter. I think when you sent the tweet, people thought you were like there with your boys or like there by yourself. You were there with your daughter. That was some context missing from the tweet. I would also say that what Evan's describing is something I've talked about on the solo pod, the deathbed theorem. When you're on your deathbed, are you going to remember that 10K you got for the tickets or whatever? Or are you going to remember spending a night with your daughter at Taylor Swift? As for Taylor Swift herself, I'm hesitant to like bash anyone who can make $1.5 billion. That's what I read she's going to make from the tour. If you can sell that many tickets, you have that many fans that are that passionate, will pay that much money. I'm the one that's obviously missing something, not everybody else. So shout out to Evan for the Taylor Swift show. All right, 
Before we get started here, I want to remind everyone that there is content on our YouTube channel that does not hit our podcast feed. I repeat, be sure to subscribe to our free YouTube channel, Establish the Run, so you do not miss anything. Been working on some strategy videos and a ton of other stuff there that, again, will not be on this podcast feed. Today's show, we are going to talk about NFL win totals. Obviously, this is a relatively, actually pretty big betting market in terms of liquidity. There are big limits. I think that the markets are relatively sharp, especially by the time we get to August or September. Obviously, you can win money by betting win totals. It's not a market that I absolutely love to tie up a ton of money on for nine months because there are far softer markets out there, I think, with far bigger payouts, long shot stuff in awards, Super Bowl, conference, division, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think that it's really, really good thought exercises because simply for win totals, what you're basically saying is, which teams do I think are better than market? Which team do I think are worse than market? And that's really important for fantasy also. And last year was a great example. I mean, we were massively high on the Lions over market, get all that Amon Ra value. Silva got the 100 to 1. On Jamal had a bunch of bets on them also. The Eagles also, you know, by being high on them as a team as a whole, you're able to be really high on Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. Silva was all in on, on Miles Sanders. You know, you get big payoffs there. So, you know, and it goes the other way too. I didn't listen, but David Al kept telling me, Oh, you get the Broncos are going to suck. The Broncos, you know, they're being massively overrated. I didn't listen, but I wish that I did because if I had that take, there's no way that the Broncos could have logically supported where their ADPs were at last year. So anyway, I think there's a lot of value in both betting and fantasy and really thinking about win totals. We're going to discuss some of the ones that we're on here today and debate them a little bit. I will go first. First one I am on is Jaguars under... Nine and a half. This is plus 122 on FanDuel. You can also take under 10, minus 110 on Caesars. I think a lot of people assume because the Jaguars play in the AFC South, they have uh, they have this ridiculously soft schedule. Their schedule is not that soft because they won the division last year. I think they have around the 12th easiest schedule based on opponent win totals, middle of the road. They play Kansas City. They play Buffalo. They play San Francisco. They play Cincinnati. They play Baltimore. Again, all this is because they won the division last year with nine wins i think they have major offensive line concerns especially after losing cam robinson to suspension and man everybody's on the jaguars i can't find somebody who doesn't like the jaguars they're minus 150 to win their division that's a massive favor the chiefs are only minus 165 to win their division that the eagles are only minus 120 to win theirs so when you get into a spot where everybody in the world thinks the jaguars going to take their next leap i like being on the other side of that jaguars under nine and a half plus 122 would be my favorite of the options that are out there. Evan, what's your team outlook on the Jaguars there? What do you think about nine and a half at plus money? Well, I think that the division is getting better. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really have a, a strong stance on the Jaguars at this point. I, I think that the second year of Trevor Lawrence under D Doug Peterson, I mean, I, I'm pretty optimistic on Trevor Lawrence. I just uh, submitted our, our quarterback tiers and he, he's the my, my quarterback nine overall um I, I i think their offensive line has a chance to be pretty good i mean i think they've got enough talent on the defensive side um i, I don't i don't really have a strong over under lean on the jaguars at this stage of the offseason but I, I i tend to lean, lean uh, uh positively on them right now yeah it's just nine and a half of plus money is implying something closer to 11 right. wins which is asking a lot out of the Jaguars. And one thing that I think about, Ryan, with stuff like this is like, maybe the market will move. Maybe more casual coming in August, September, and everybody's more on the Jaguars. Maybe I can even get a better number later. 
on the Jaguars, any thoughts on them? Yeah, I think he did a good job of highlighting too of really the uniqueness of the schedules, right? So we, we know kind of how the sausage is made a little bit schedule wise, right? You play everyone in your division twice, you play a, um, another in conference division and another out of conference division, but really the teams all have in the division a unique three opponents based off of where they finished last year. And the Jags is no joke. Uh, Kansas City, San Francisco, and at Buffalo is their unique three. And when you look at how some of the other teams in the division, that shakes out for them. It's just a massive, massive discrepancy in terms of who they have to play. Now, I agree with Evan. I think the division is improving, but like no one's really close. So I I don't hate the division price, but that doesn't mean that this is like an 11-12 win football team, right? So, um, you know, we do think that we're on the ascension of Trevor Lawrence, but, you know, if you're getting plus money here and, and looking historically, like there's always more wins in the pool than actual wins in games that happen. Right. Just like we know we talk about all the time and you do a great job talking about how we are just predisposed to wanting to bet overs in the public knows that it happens all the time in the prop game. It does the same thing in win totals. You typically find six, seven, eight more wins in the pool than actual games that happen. So knowing that that's out there, too, you probably should be leaning under in this market as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about uh, Calvin Ridley specifically because I think that that addition – well, first of all, he's a really interesting guy in fantasy this year. It seems he's always at the top – or very often at the top of my queue in my underdog drafts. And But I kind of don't want to take him. You know, the history of players that miss an entire season coming back the next year, I mean, it's not like they always come back and they're, and they're immediately ready to go. Obviously, he's changing teams. He's got to develop a rapport with the, the new coaching staff with his new quarterback. Um, I don't know. What what are your guys' thoughts on, on Calvin Ridley? Have you guys been drafting him uh, in, in best ball? And, you know, where, where do you – he's he's also a, a difficult guy to rank. Not only did he miss 2022, Calvin Ridley also only played five games in 2021. I mean, it's been a long, long time since this guy played a ton of football. Yeah, I, I don't think the gap that the market has between Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley mm-hmm. makes – a ton of sense i, I think mean should we have christian closer. kirk ahead of calvin ridley yeah I mean, and i, 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 I thought funny. about ranking christian kirk ahead of calvin ridley yeah for sure so yeah it, it's interesting for sure i do think calvin ridley can really really play but yeah it's been a long time since he's been seen in christian kirk there's a lot of competition there i mean evans boy zay christian kirk evan ingram are all going to earn routes for sure all right let's go to ryan uh what is one that you've taken that you want to talk to the people about yeah, I like the Bucks uh, under six and a half. This is still out there on DraftKings minus one thirty. Uh, we get a quarterback battle here allegedly with Baker Mayfield and, and Kyle Trask. I imagine it's going to be Baker. Uh, it's just not really pretty. And you want to be encouraged maybe by how he finished the year with the Rams. That still wasn't really that good if you look into it. And last season we had forty six quarterbacks in the league took at least one hundred twenty five snaps. Out of those forty six, Baker was forty fifth in completion percentage over expectation, 45th in success rate. I mean, the only guys in like EPA per play, only guys in EPA per play he topped were Colt McCoy, Sam Ellinger, and Skylar Thompson. It was just kind of a disaster. Uh, They have lost a lot of talent on the offensive line. Shaq Mason shipped to Houston for really no reason. Donovan Smith signed with Kansas City. They're looking at like Luke Gadecki and and Cody Mock, the kid they draft in the second round with no teeth out of North Dakota State to step in. Uh, You know, they're moving Tristan Wars to the other side. The defense is paper thin. So, like, on paper, it's not terrible. But, like, Jamal Dean played a career high of 15 games last season. Carlton Davis has never played more than 14. Behind them, it's really poor. They don't have much in terms of pass rush. 
And when you look at the schedule, we just kind of broke it down with the Jags. Their gift last year for backing into the playoffs is a first place schedule. Their unique three, Philadelphia, at Buffalo, at San Francisco. It's really, really tough. They have no long-term answer at quarterback on this roster. And I don't think that they're tanking per se. I don't think that's really Todd Bowles' MO, but like, look, you have no answer and you have a draft coming up with multiple, you know, I guess I don't want to say generational guys, but guys that you're comfortable taking at the top of the draft. So towards the tail end of the season with a tough schedule, the problem here is the division's wide open. But again, if they have any sort of cluster injuries on either side of the ball, I feel comfortable here still laying a little bit of juice at six and a half on the under. I was going to say to your to your last point, I mean, if it gets to the trade deadline and the Bucks are bad, they should be massive sellers. Like they yep. should be massive, massive sellers. They need to get Caleb Williams or someone at the top of this draft. And if it was me, I would have already traded Mike Evans personally if I was running the Bucks. Uh, I understand that I'm not. I'm doing a fantasy football podcast from my basement. However, uh, I would have traded Mike Evans. I would have gone for the full tank here. Evan, any thoughts on Bucks outlook again? The number is six and a half. I think it you, it can be just simply broke down broken down at when you look at the quarterback position, and it's just going to be exacerbated by these problems on the offensive line. Matt Filer was not good for the Chargers last year. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, I think he should be great at left tackle. The rest of the offensive line has huge question marks. I mean, Luke Godeke, who Ryan Noonan mentioned uh, as their starting right tackle, Cody Mach. Uh, 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 you know, uh, an FCS prospect. Um, and then you think about the way that Baker Mayfield reacts when he's under pressure. He rolls right and just creates his own havoc. He runs into his own traffic jams. Uh, he would rather – he. so I'm, I'm finishing up the running back tiers right now, and I kind of want to be optimistic on Rashad White. And then when I think about his – match with Baker Mayfield like Baker Mayfield would rather roll to his right throw the ball at the guy who's moving the chains on the sideline than than, than complete passes to his running back so I don't know Rashad White I think I I found as is a difficult guy to rank yeah and I just I I don't I don't see any way that this offense is going to come together and be productive I mean I I could see Mike Evans getting super frustrated uh, I think it's going to be a disaster offensively. Yeah, and Rashad White's ADP has been sinking. I almost talked about him on Market Monday yesterday, but I think it might sink a little bit more here on Rashad White. I mean, he's available in like the 80s now, which is pretty late for a pretty clear-cut starting running back. So like as part of hero RB builds or zero RB builds, I think Rashad White can make sense. But I agree with Evan. There's a reason that his ADP is in the 80s or so. Evan, I give you the floor for one that you like. I'm going under... Four and a half, Arizona Cardinals at plus 100. We have, I mean, I don't, are, are we sure that Kyler Murray is going to play football this year? Um, he's coming off a, a double knee ligament tear. This is another team with major questions on the offensive line. Um, they just cut DeAndre Hopkins, getting nothing in return. I feel like the offense is going to be built around James Conner, which is... <laughs> You don't want to build your offense around James Conner. Um, I think that this team is is actually in a tank mode. Uh, Jonathan Gannon coming from the Eagles, you know, an analytical guy. I think he would be totally on board with, um, you know, making moves. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to give up on the field. But I, I think that they've generally given up from a roster standpoint. And I think that they need to do that with the new GM the the old GM Steve Kime invested so many high leverage draft picks 
on off-ball linebackers that have not worked out. This pass rush is going to be non-existent. Um, and then their secondary is a huge problem again. So I just they're, – they're, they're maybe the worst team in the league, and I think that under four and a half at pretty much even money, I'm taking that. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. They probably do have the worst talent in the league. I talked about Kyler Murray's range of outcomes a little bit on Market Monday yesterday. Nothing would surprise me. I think the base case is that Kyler comes back and plays 10, 12, 13 games. That doesn't mean that the base case is going to hit. He could play 17. He could play zero. Like nothing would surprise me on Kyler Murray. My guess concern on taking under four and a half years, it's such a low number in a 17-game season. And I do think just removing Cliff Kingsbury is like worth mm -hmm. at least a win or two. Like that guy was so incompetent. Like just getting rid of him is worth maybe one, one and a half wins or something. That guy is such adult. So I, I haven't taken this one. I don't think that I will, but I do agree with Evan that this is an unbelievably lack of talent on this team. Ryan, any thoughts on Cardinals? They get to play the Rams twice. So, I mean, that's uh, that's a benefit to them. But otherwise, yeah, it's a it's a disaster. The secondary has been terrible for years. They've like lost any semblance of pass rush and done little in the draft or in free agency to try to like bring anything back. Uh, Evan mentioned like you just you take swings on off ball linebacker, man, you better hit. And they've both kind of been airballs, especially in the um, first round. I mean, yeah, they, they've yeah. taken multiple off ball linebackers in the first round, dude. And yeah. he and Steve Kine was like, let me feel the smallest offense in the history of offenses. I mean, they might have three guys starting that are under five nine at wide receiver, plus Kyler obviously is very small as well. So yeah, all right. And they nailed the draft, so like kudos to them. They're rebuild. They could rebuild next year around yeah. what they did with Houston there. So like they are in a spot where like don't get cute. Don't try to get into like the middle of the top ten. Like kind of tank out, bottom out, and see what happens with Houston. And then you have a couple couple of uh, you know bullets next year at the top. All right. Next one, I feel like a little bit of fish for, for my next one because it's not the kind of one that I personally like to take, kind of a hyped team, um, a public, maybe might be a public team, but I did take Falcons over eight and a half wins plus 110 on DK. I also have Falcons 100 to one to win the Super Bowl. I also have Bijan Robinson, 5-1 to one, to be Offensive Rookie of the Year. I have Falcons NFC South Champions, plus 380. I have Arthur Smith, Coach of the Year, 20-1 to one and 25-1. to one. I, I think the market has come around a bit on the Falcons, but this team won seven games last year with the best running game in the entire NFL, and Marcus Mariota was absolutely inept. Now, people will say, Adam, may I agree with you, Marcus Mariota was inept. Are you sure Desmond Ritter is going to be better? I am not sure that Desmond Ritter is going to be better. I don't think he can be worse, though. I don't think people realize how bad Marcus Mariota was offensive line play, man. I know there's differing opinions out there. I think Falcons offensive line, I know they're not asked to do, and they're put a ton and they're put in really good situations, but they bring back Caleb McGarry on that $34 million deal. You could argue Lindstrom is the best guard in the NFL. They had Matt Bergeron. And then on offense, man, I mean, Pitts, London, Bijan. I mean, they have really good pieces on defense. On defense, I have concerns. Obviously, they have the biggest joke of a schedule. Them and the Saints have two of the softest schedules I have seen since I've been doing this. They'll obviously play Bryce Young, Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr twice. They also play the Texans, Titans, Jaguars, Colts. Then they play Cardinals, Commanders, Packers out of division. I mean, this is like standard deviations easier than the third highest team. The Saints and the Falcons are so, so far clear in terms of schedule. So I have concerns about the defense of the Falcons, but I think the schedule will compensate for that. So I have a ton of Falcons stuff, including the over eight and a half. How big of a fish am I, Ryan, for taking all these overs and Falcons hype? 
schedule is so bad though as you kind of laid out like uh the defense will be better they spent some money in the secondary um you know i think that helps you know calais campbell is in the you know twilight of the career but at least it's another body to solidify a little bit of the run stuffing stuff up up front that they've struggled with for years too they've always struggled too last couple years with pass rush but they've thrown some darts in the draft they can get some guys that come in the second round last couple years to start to add to it a little bit like you said like they were competitive last year playing a very unique style of football with a very inept quarterback so you know if Ritter can be anything um, I think we all kind of like Smith when he was at Tennessee, like kind of a, a decent offensive mind. And you laid out the talent there. It's there. And the path there is pretty easy when you get that scheduled. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. I, it is, it's been moving. So, you know, you're jumping in now. Right. You're not getting the best of the number, but still in play. Right. Exactly. I, I like how they've really built up the lines. And we didn't even really mention uh, on defense. I mean, they've got Grady Jarrett. They got David Anyamata from the Saints, Calais Campbell, Eddie Goldman. Uh, Bud Dupree and Lorenzo Carter give him some ability to, to rush the passer from the outside. I love that signing of Caden Ellis from the Saints. And they've got the makings of a potentially really strong secondary. Jeff Okuda, I don't know, you know, but I, I definitely think that he was worthy of that fifth round pick that they gave up for him. AJ Terrell has been really good. They signed Jesse Bates a, away from the Bengals. And I mean, he's like been, you know, PFF's number one safety. Yeah, uh, or, or at least in the mix for that for, for the past couple of years, um, and then as you mentioned on the offensive line, like they got some ass kickers on the offensive line. They're going to be able to run run the ball, at least stay close in games, and I think that they'll be able to win in the trenches defensively. And they've got just just enough talent in the secondary to hold up on the back end. It reminds me a little bit of the Lions, where like at first nobody was giving them a chance, and then all of a sudden the Lions became like the buzz team by the time September came around. Um, for sure. All right, Ryan, go ahead with your next one. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go with the Rams here. This is uh, under six and a half. You can get minus 110 on Caesars. Uh, I jumped on this early when it first opened. It was six and a half plus money on DraftKings, but I still no problem with the six and a half here. Look, I mean, they've been unique. They've had a unique approach to team building. It worked. They got a Super Bowl in 2021. It collapsed in a massive way last season. They had a ton of injuries on both sides of the ball. And when you just you can't add any talent in the draft because you've kind of just pissed away all your draft picks, it is going to come and fold in on you at some point. And it did. It, this offense is, I think, going to be okay still, right? You think Matthew Stafford coming back still with Cooper Cup? Like the offensive line is a problem. There are, again a lot of question marks. It is very thin outside of Cooper Cup. Uh, we're still dealing with some you know pretty average to below average wide receiver talent. Cam Akers for a little bit there, they tried their best to get rid of him. Uh, it seemed like he was about to be cut, and then all of a sudden he was like the bell cow down the stretch. I don't have a ton of faith there. But really, it's more so this is a play on the defensive side of the ball. Outside of Aaron Donald, who is maybe a generational all-time Hall of Famer right now if he retired, which he apparently considered doing this offseason, there's really nothing out there uh, defensively. Like Robert Rochelle, Darion Kendrick are currently their two starting cornerbacks. Uh, they ranked 192 and 217th in PFF corner grade last season. Um, no edge rusher talent. Uh, Bobby Wagner walked and went back to Seattle. This team is just devoid of talent, and that's what happened. So six and a half, again, low number. We already took an under here with four and a half with Arizona. Uh, that could pay off with other teams in that division too. But again, there's really no answer long-term here uh, on either side of the football. So I just think six and a half still is a, is a bad number, even though the seven and a half are gone. 
I just don't see the Rams winning many football games this year. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I'd say about the Rams is that we are not that far removed from Matthew Stafford, just like putting and Cooper cup, putting the team on his back and going to the Super Bowl. you know? And like, I'm not saying that the talent is anywhere near what it was two years ago when they went off, but at least Matthew Stafford looks healthy and Cooper cup looks healthy, giving them a chance to have what looked like a really good offense two years ago. Evan, any Rams thoughts? The defense is like the Island of misfit toys. I mean, I was looking at the secondary the other day. Well, they do have Kobe Durant at um, at nickel corner, so maybe they could field a, a good street basketball team. Uh, but, I mean, this is – yeah, these are guys that, like, nobody's heard of yeah. on defense. Um, and then they're starting two wide receivers by, besides Cooper Cup are Ben Skoranek and Van Jefferson. That – you know, Ryan Noonan was very nice to call that average to, to maybe a little bit above average or below average – that that's that's horrible okay that is freaking horrible i don't trust matthew stafford's health either um we talked about it when 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 we on the on the draft grade show that their approach in the draft was just trade down trade down trade down they wound up with like literally 10 day three picks in not a strong draft i mean they're just throwing crap against the wall i think this is going to be the final year for both sean McVay and les sneed with the Rams. Yeah. Well, if they go under six and a half, I think it will almost certainly be uh, the end of this era here. Evan, I give you the floor. And this is my favorite one. And we talked about it a little bit before the show. And it sounded like both of you guys were on board. Browns over nine and a half plus 130 on DraftKings. I think the Browns are loaded. I think they're absolutely loaded. I think that Deshaun Watson, although you know, he wasn't good in his six starts last year. He was he wasn't bad in the final two starts. And it was just, I feel like he was never going to be set up for success. It was, you know, for lack of a better term, a distraction-filled offseason, des- deservedly distraction-filled for him, I think. But I think he's going to be a lot more comfortable in year two. Kevin Stefanski is, is a uh, uh, an offensive mind that I trust. Um, I love, love the addition of Jim Schwartz to come in and control the defense. And this defense is freaking loaded. Miles Garrett, Dalvin Tomlinson, Zadarius Smith up front. They've got some um, some talented young players too, uh, uh, in Perry and Winfrey and Jordan Elliott. Their secondary, I think, could be really, really good. Greg Newsom was a first-round pick a couple of years ago. Grant Delpit, a second-round pick. Juan Thornhill, who they got from Kansas City, and Denzel Ward. We know that he can be a number one corner. When he's healthy, uh, I like the the look of the offensive line for the most part. And I think that they've still got a chance to get DeAndre Hopkins yeah. to pair him with Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Elijah Moore, and then David Njoku uh, and Harrison Bryant, who won the motherfucking Mackey Award. So I, I just – I think their, their roster is loaded, and I think they're going to be really good, and I like their chances of winning 10. And if they can win 10, then they were winning this bet at plus 130. Yeah, and the market is on Browns a little bit, obviously nine and a half. I think one key point on the Deshaun Watson stuff that I don't want to gloss over, he was bad last year. Two of the games were some of the worst weather conditions that a quarterback can play in. And so I don't want to give him a pass for those games in the weather, but I would be careful at least about using those cumulative Deshaun Watson numbers when you look at the weather that was in two of those games. I think the Browns are loaded. You know, I take Nick Chubb a ton in the second round, especially on TD format, TD heavy formats. Like underdog, I also take Jerome Ford a ton. And then one point that Evan made in there that I think is worth noting, maybe there's a 40% chance the Browns get DeAndre Hopkins, you know, 50% chance 
And I'm not sure that that's baked into the market just yet. Maybe the market has it closer to something like 25%, or something like that. So following the DeAndre Hopkins news closely, I think that does make a difference. Their skill players are, are loaded, though, loaded, loaded. So yeah, I definitely like the Browns and that one this year. Ryan, any thoughts on the Browns before we move on here? They have one of the worst front sevens defensively in the league last year. They could not stop the run. And then you add Delvin Tomlinson uh, and then you add Zadarius Smith on the other side uh, of, of uh, Miles Garrett. And all of a sudden you have a legit front. Uh, and that's something they have not had. They do have, you didn't even mention uh, Emerson, who was outstanding last year. I really like, uh, I think they'll probably put Grant Delpin in the box a lot. Uh, with what Schwartz will do with him. He runs a lot of single high, brings a safety down. Like this is going to be a, a pretty loaded team. Again, if they can avoid cluster injuries, this defense was a problem last year. Now I think it's going to be a strength. All right. Last one I want to mention quickly here is Packers over seven and a half minus 105. I, I get that Jordan Love is a big question mark, but he's been with the team since 2022. They clearly feel good about him starting. He's only started one game, that game in Kansas City. I don't know if you guys remember. I mean, they lost 13-7, and Jordan Love was not great. But this team can play around him, I think. We'll see on David Bakhtiari. I think he'll be back. The offensive line can certainly be good. Defense can be good. And obviously, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, I think, is a pretty good duo to build around and build around the run game. More importantly, though, I think some teams in this division are overrated. Minnesota, overrated, clearly, I think, based on what happened last year and our lions i mean the entire market is on the lions now which maybe has gotten a bit out of control and so that has pushed down the packers numbers a little bit only need them to go eight and nine here at minus 105 to win this don't feel great 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 about it because jordan love is such a big question mark like man you know jordan love could be anything from solid to absolutely terrible but i think i've seen enough in preseason to let me think that he'll be at least reasonable and get to seven and a half. So I thought this one was at least interesting. Evan, any Packers thoughts here? I really don't have any strong ones because I just, I'm, so, I'm very skeptical of Jordan Love because I, I didn't think he was even a very good quarterback at Utah State. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are things that they can do to make life easier on him. Um, but I mean, that's what they're going to have to do. I mean, they're going to have to make, you know, they're going to have to make sacrifices in certain areas to uh, to um, to set him up for success. And then I'm all, I'm also a little skeptical of this receiver core. First of all, they're going to be relying, and I, I like their how they paired the the two tight ends. But I mean, those are two rookie tight ends. They're going to be re- relying a, a lot on them. Jaden Reed, a second round pick. Um, I really like the potential of Christian Watson. But do we trust Jordan Love to be able to get him the rock downfield? I mean, he's going to run a lot of low percentage routes. And then Romeo Dobbs, I mean, I thought he was a good pick uh, in the draft. And I thought he showed enough that, you know, to, to suggest that he's got potential entering his second year. But he also had some really bad moments. So I don't know. I they're, they're a really tough team for me to gauge right now. Yeah. One thing I noticed is that the Bears and the Packers have almost identical win totals, like Mm. the same number and the same juice. I like the Packers slightly better, but it wouldn't shock me if the Bears were better. I don't know. Who do you you think is going to win more games this year, Evan, Packers or Bears? I think Bears, but it's really just based off Jordan Love um, and my skepticism of him. Yep. Ryan, any thoughts on that, Packers or Bears or anything else on this total? 
Yeah, the Packers are interesting. Like we have wanted that defense to be a little bit better than it's been the last couple of years. They've invested a lot of top level equity uh, to, to make it better. And it's kind of been a disappointment. They've also you know, had some injuries last season too. Uh, but again, it all comes down to the quarterback play. So they've done a little bit of a better job than supporting Rodgers uh, this year, but adding a little bit of talent there. But again, offensive line has been a problem too. They haven't been able to stay healthy there too. So yeah. I'd probably give it to the slight edge to the Bears. But again, I, I agree with you. I think it's probably a coin flip. Yeah. And offensive line needs to stay healthy. They need David Bakhtiari to play and, and be healthy. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Ryan, you have any more you want to share with the people? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to give you the uh, – this is interesting. So I, I'm I'm interested in the Dolphins this year, and this is a tough one because the division is tough. Uh, so we're not necessarily avoiding opponents. And there may be better ways to do it, right? We're talking today about win totals, but there are, you know, other ways that you can attack these markets to get access to, you know, betting on the Dolphins. So, you know, three to one to win the AFC East is probably interesting. If you want to go and attack Mike McDaniel and, like, the coach of the year market is probably mm-hmm. a good way to get – longer odds but this is on DraftKings over nine and a half at plus 100 uh offensive line again this is all going to come down to two but you know ancillary pieces offensive line is talented uh a lot of top level talent there they add some depth Isaiah Wynn came over from New England add some depth there I love the addition of Vic Fangio here uh Miami will still be very blitz heavy they'll still play a a ton of man-to-man uh now almost exclusively out of two high versus last year in Josh Boyer single high and like there was a lot of talk last year that defense didn't love Josh Boyer sticking around uh, when Mike McDaniel came over. And I get why he would do that. You'd want to have a little bit of continuity. But again, that room has changed a ton too, right? Now we bring over Jalen Ramsey. Um, they added Cam Smith in the draft. But Cam Smith early, if you were like looking at mock drafts in December and January, Cam Smith was a first round pick. Uh, and the tape backs it up. Now he didn't measure that way and that does matter, but there's a ton of talent there. And, and really when you look at what, Jalen Ramsey has done well with the Rams the last couple of years. A lot of his best stuff has been the slot. So now you can throw Cam Smith or Kater Kuda or whatever, someone on the outside, and Ramsey can lock down the slot. They have a really nice depth in the secondary up front with Jalen Phillips, Christian Wilkins. I think Jalen Phillips is an interesting – Two really good safeties. Yeah, Holland, Jones, Elliott. Like, it's a decent safety room. So I love David Long. I like to get my hands in the dirt and, and bet tackle props. David Long is an absolute dog. Uh, he'll be a nice addition there in the middle. And then unique three, Tennessee, Carolina, and then at Baltimore. So, like, not a hard schedule in terms of maybe where the Jets are playing and where the Bills are playing. So maybe there are better ways to do it than just binary over-under on the win total. But I just want to bet on this team. I think they're going to be exciting. Yeah, and this is one that flows through to fantasy for me. I think Tua at 100th overall ADP is an awesome pick. And by the way, Tua, in the games that he – was actually healthy for it last year, started 8-0. and That included wins at Baltimore versus Buffalo. Um, at Detroit was a good win, you know? And, like, man, they had it clicking until everything went downhill with Tua's injuries. So, yeah, I, I like taking Tua's stuff in, in DFS uh, for sure, and I've been on the A-chain stuff uh, in fantasy also. Evan, any Dolphins thoughts? Um, no, I think this defense has a chance to be a top five defense in the league though. I mean, when you combine their talent on the defensive front with the secondary that Noonan ran all the way through, uh, and then the addition of Vic Fangio, like I, I would be, I'm really excited about their defense. The two, thing is scary because I don't necessarily trust them to stay healthy, but, um, I think their their defense is going to be awesome. I mean, that's the that's one thing about taking more long shot stuff on Dolphins because you know, obviously if Tua gets hit in the head and he has a concussion, like he might be done for the year, right? And you're mm-hmm. obviously dead, but you could risk less 
to win more on some of the long shot stuff if Tua is able to sustain health i do agree they'll be very very good but they right. brought in mike white right they made mm-hmm. that backup job better uh mm-hmm. right teddy was a disappointment last year we got a bunch of starts out of skylar thompson so you know mike white not a perfect player but uh at least has shown some capabilities and i think that that's a little bit bolstered versus where it was last year too. yeah and under mike mcdaniel and with the the speed that they can put around him like it, it doesn't take a whole lot you know this is remember this is the kyle shanahan system that system has produced a lot of success from you don't have to be a high-level quarterback talent to have success in that system. For sure. All right. I don't have any others I want to talk about. Do you guys have any other teams or totals you want to talk about before we get out of here? All right. That is going to do it for this NFL win totals preview. Be sure you're following at Rye Noonan. Be sure you're following at Evan Silva, at Adam Levitan, at Establish the Run on Twitter as we get closer to the lead up of the season for Ryan Noonan for Evan Silva for producer Luke. I'm Adam Levitan. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.